excited to be here today. We got uh, we battled for you. <laughs> you don't know what we just went through to get online, but we're here. All right, so um, if you don't know who we are, I'm Tim McCormick. This is Rhoda Flum. We're both from Finance Agents, and we are visited today from Justin Carter from Amerisource. Amerisource is a small business lender. You guys lend nationwide. Correct, yes. Right? Yep. And uh, first of all, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Both of you. Thank, thank you, you for having me. Thank sure. you, Justin. Thank Appreciate you. coming on to the show. Um, we are here to talk to you guys today about you know, lending after a disaster. Something that's very relevant. Obviously, uh, if you're watching this later, uh, we're filming this just after Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma just hit uh, Texas and Florida. Uh, Amerisource, Justice Lender, happens to actually be located in Houston. That's correct. Yeah. So not only is he going to be able to give us some insight on lending in the area, but he can also have some insight on you know actually being there and the impact it's had on his business and the businesses that he helps. Absolutely. So that's what we're here to do, um, and uh, we appreciate you guys sticking out and making it through to us. So first of all, uh, Justin, why don't you yeah. tell us a little bit about Amerisource? Okay, so uh, so Amerisource, we provide uh, factoring and ABL facilities for B2B businesses. Uh, we've been in business for about 32 years. Um, we're, we're fairly well known within the factoring uh, industry. Um, we are privately owned and have been for those full 32 years, which uh, gives us some advantages. I mean, when we're looking at deals, uh, we really are looking at, at, at kind of common sense underwriting. We want to make sure that it, it works for all parties involved. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we really strive to be best in market. Uh, we retain our clients for an average of six years, uh, and most of our agreements have no contract. Uh, versus uh, the industry average, which is about client retention of about three years with contracts. Okay. Great. So that speaks quite a bit to, to what we do and how we do business. Okay, so your lending that you guys do is factoring. Correct. Right? Now, factoring, in case you, do, you guys don't know exactly what it is, uh, why don't you give us a quick general overview on what factoring is? Sure. So, so factoring applies to uh, B2B, so business to business, any business selling to other uh, businesses, whether you're in wholesale, distribution, manufacturing. Um, and what we're doing essentially is factoring is advancing on your account receivables. So in business to business, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's almost mandated that business clients are going to ask for terms. So they're going to want 30, 60, 90 day terms. And uh, that can be sometimes hard on, on, a, on a supplier's uh, cash flow. So what we're doing through factoring is advancing on that account receivable so our clients don't have to wait the 30, 60, 90 days to get paid. They can get paid the day after they issue the invoice and continue to expand and grow their business. Okay, that's great. All right, so uh, you are a non-bank lender. Correct, yes. And then you personally actually spent years working for Bank of America. I did, before. yeah. Before. So yeah. I'm kind of curious, why did you leave the big banks and go for a non-bank lender? What, what, uh, why did you make that switch? Yeah, you know, at, uh, at Bank of America, I mean, I, I was really happy to be a, a part of the, the, the small business banking platform. And, and Bank of America started that program back in 2010 as a way to directly see to the needs of small business, um, especially following the recession, um, just making sure that they had direct points of contact. So we were essentially private business bankers for small business up to $5 million in revenue. Um, you know, throughout my term there, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed supporting small business. I have a true passion for it. Um, however, um, you know, uh, bank risk appetite sometimes is quite restrictive. 
And so uh, more often than not, unfortunately, there were more loans, many more loans that we could not fund than the ones that we could. And so, you know, coming across a really good, solid business that, you know, just doesn't fit that, that cash flow ratio or doesn't have enough liquidity, enough cash in the bank, um, doesn't have enough time in business, but they've got great opportunity. Um, we, we wanted to make sure that, that we had, uh, I, I made this switch to make sure that um, I could support those clients where okay. the banks can't under, under conventional or SBA guidelines. Great. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. That's uh, one of the things I like to say is that if you go to the big banks, you either get an amazing interest rate or nothing at all. And most people get nothing. That's very true. Right. 90% Unfortunately, or something, yeah, nothing at all. Yeah, ninety percent. That's that's about right. Yeah, or less. Than Unfortunately, that. Okay. yeah. Well, good, awesome. So factoring is best for B two B businesses, um, which is you know I don't know what percentage of B two B businesses. I don't know what percentage of businesses are that, but there's a lot of them, right? Sure. So if those are your clients, then you know is a do you have to be a certain size before you start doing factoring? Is there sort of a minimum? It, not necessarily. I mean, some factors are going to have minimums in place. Some factors want to see a certain volume per month to to really uh, make it make it worth doing the deal. Um, you know, at Amerisource, we keep the platform quite wide. Uh, we we can do facilities as low as fifty thousand up to fifteen million. And when okay. we're talking facility size, we're not talking you know alone. This is a a monthly revolving facility. So if you've got at least you know, 50,000 in account receivables and you're, you're providing terms to your clients, then we can put a, a structure in place. It's net 30 or net 60 a month, you want to see that? Uh, we, we, we... Yeah, to be specific, right? If you yeah. have 50,000 facility and you have a net 90, that was at $15,000 a month in total funding received. So their total gross receipts are maybe 20, they're getting 15. Over three months. Yes, and it's 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 a uh, it's a lot uh, looser than than it sounds. I mean, it's we're not we're not uh, horribly strict on that. But if we can see uh, fifty thousand, even sitting in their thirty, you know, uh, up to their sixty, up to their ninety, if there are fifty thousand dollars in account receivables combined, then okay. then we can put a facility in place to support that business. Okay, great. Well, good. So you know, we got an overview on factoring, and we'll have way more videos where you can learn a lot more about it. But um, why don't we talk about your company's headquartered in Houston? Yeah. So yes. why don't you tell us a little bit about just what happened? You know, what, you know, what happened during that time? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we're we're watching the news out here in California, and we start to see things happen, and and it, it was quite a delay before we really got any kind of word, um, but. Um, fortunately, uh, our offices, our headquarters w were spared. We had no flooding. Uh, okay, we kept power, you know, nearly 100% of the time. Um, the, the biggest challenge that we experienced uh, was that uh, access to our offices was mm. very restricted. Some people couldn't leave their homes uh, or their neighborhoods. And uh, the access into our building, there was only one way in. Uh, but a few employees found that way in, and uh, one of those happened to you be the owner. By one yeah. way in, they just... There's certain streets they could drive on without worrying about getting washed away. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and you know, there's a there's a a main freeway that goes through Houston that's uh, been in construction for years and years, and they they all joke about that, but that became an, an absolute mess, you know, uh, right. throughout throughout the flood. So, um, and that's that's fairly close to our headquarters. 
but you know there was an access point to get into our offices um, and you know our owner was one of the ones that that made it in there and he, he himself plus uh, some employees that were working remotely kept the fundings going so that our our clients weren't uh, delayed in receiving their fundings and okay. we kept on top of it we were fortunate uh, most of our employees uh, fared out fairly well some had some pretty severe flooding and right. and uh, you know they're they're going to be rebuilding and and restructuring over, over the next few years unfortunately but um, you know all in all I, I would say we we were pretty fortunate okay well that's good so your headquarters itself you guys didn't have any gap in funding and when we say that just in case you didn't pick this up from the way factoring works factoring you're you're doing lending almost every day to the same clients because every time you get a new invoice you pay an advance on that invoice so it's a very uh, active type of financing as opposed to you get a loan once yeah. and you pay on it for five years you're getting a loan a day three loans a day yeah. you, you don't do multiple disbursements in the same day to uh, borrow or do you? Gen generally not to the same client uh, but you know you're right. I mean it it is a very active process in our back office. I mean of of our headquarters, you know uh, the larger percentage of that real estate is our operations. These are the people that are are receiving the invoices coming in from our clients, and they take those invoices and they validate them and they validate the backup documentation mm -hmm. to support the invoice, and then they're putting together the funding. And this all happens within within you know an an hour within a, a number of hours. And we have a, a large staff that is literally flipping through invoices as they come in and, and verifying them and then they're they're sending out those wires at the end of every day um, in in multiple multiple wires so it is a very active process it's it's not a, it's not a loan shop where you know you're funding three or four pieces of uh, real estate um, this is this is an active ongoing operation yeah. how many different clients do you guys have uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 many, many, many. Yeah, I mean, our business has been around for thirty-two years. Okay. You know, uh, we we hang on to our clients for our average of six years. So absolutely, and and so we're we can handle the capacity. Uh, certainly, we get very very busy when we have employees not able to make it into work because of flooding. So. Right. <laughs> what, what industries do you think are a good fit for factoring or business types or? Yeah, I, I mean, there are certain industries that uh, just just due to the way that industries work and the way that the industries are, are structured, and that it, it's it's almost mandate that that factoring is part of their business plan, and and those really are uh, shipping, um, you know, trucking. Uh, factoring is very popular within those industries. Um, also, their their access to conventional lending is sometimes restricted um, due to the industry. Um, and then uh, you know, fashion and, and textiles um, is another one, oh. and and that that has a lot to do with the with the turn of their product and, and getting their raw goods, getting them uh, to the manufacturer, putting the, the you know the pieces of clothing together. So there's just a lot of delay where they really need that advance, okay. and then their end users you know have uh, you know 60, 90 day terms. So there's there's a huge um, huge cash delay in that process but really uh, part of the success of Amerisource is keeping an open platform uh, we will work with any business that has account receivables whether a service provider um, whether they're um, you know providing product manufacturing distribution wholesale anybody that account carries account receivables we want to see if there's a way we can help great so I know of uh, one of our so one of our offices told us about 
a trucker in the Houston area who said his business has now tripled yeah. because uh, he's, I can't remember exactly what he's moving, but uh, a lot of stuff needs to be moved. So if that person was your client and all of a sudden their business triples, that means their factoring needs would triple. Absolutely. Is that an easy thing for you guys to just triple the amount of funding that's going out? Or yeah. is there some sort of secondary review if you see a rapid increase for a particular client? Rapid increases don't scare us. Like they okay. sometimes scare the banks. That's rapid, the opposite of other industries. Rapid increases, we're right there with the business. The business is going to be excited about a rapid increase, and so are we. Um, okay. And so what we'll do is it, it really comes down to the quality of the account receivable. So um, the only time that it can present an issue is let's say that their, their business doubled overnight because they picked up one customer, one new right. client. That creates a, a client concentration. Right. It increases our exposure. So, so sometimes we might have to do a little bit more due diligence, but you know, we can deal with client concentration. We just have to really look at, not our client, but we have to look at their client to make sure that they have a reputation of paying their bills. So would you say you're seeing an uptick in requests from businesses that, that are in the Houston area because of that? I guess you'd have two scenarios, right? Yep. You either have the scenario where their business has been affected negatively or it's growing. What, what are you guys seeing more of or what do you typically see more of after an event like this? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's common to see uh, more requests. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, we, we have clients that, that factor with us, but they may, may not factor every invoice. Right. I mean, you can pick and choose in that, and that's one of the advantages of, of factoring. Um, so you might have a hundred clients, but you know you only factor ten of them, ten of the largest ones. The ones who pay longer. Absolutely, right? yeah. Who pays right away, you wouldn't factor. Sure, sure. But in in cases like this, where you know uh, the supply chain is being affected, and and that's that's the scariest thing about any kind of natural disaster is, is the supply chain is being affected at every stage of the process, from the point of sale through to the raw goods. Um, it's being affected and there will be delays. So, you know, it's, it's natural to see uh, an uptick in requests to make sure that, you know, they, they have the funds to continue to operate the business. If your supplier is, or you have a large order from FEMA or Red Cross, would you be nervous of that concentration risk of a client in the disaster area or with that large of customer so would if, be okay? So if the, you're the, the trucker going back to the trucker. Driving for FEMA. Driving okay. for FEMA. Right. Doubles your, are you concerned about that concentration risk? Or with FEMA or a large government contract, it's better? No, no. In, in fact, it's it, it really because because those kind of agencies, even though, you know, government and, and banks will, will be a little adverse to government contracts a lot of times, too, because it's it's known that you're slow to pay, which causes cash flow issues. And, and banks are primarily cash flow lenders. Right. right. So for us, though, um, they pay. They will pay when they pay, you know, is, is always the thing that we have to right. dig into a little bit more and make sure that everyone's protected in that, in that transaction. But, um, you know, uh, we're working on a deal right now where uh, it's, a, it's a nearly an $80 million a year business and they only have two account debtors, the state of California and the federal government. And it's yeah, 85. The California. <laughs> <laughs> but even so, it's 85% concentrated in California mm -hmm. and we're, we're finding a way okay. to make it work. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, you know, in the end, you're really underwriting the customer more than the individual borrower. What, what do you think is the distribution? Was it 50% customer, 50% borrower, or 75, 80% customer, 20% 
borrower? What, what do you, if you would just, yeah. I know it changes. But. Yeah. You know, you know when, when we're looking at factoring deals, um, the majority of our focus is going into the account debtors or our clients, customers. So we're really looking at, at, at those. Um, you know, we, we aren't even really concerned about mom and pop shops um, it, it is, as far as the account debtors go. Um, of course, we're going to be looking at the big box retailers and government, and we know that there's a contract and agreement to pay. So a lot of times we're, we're able to make that happen, but it, it is, that's the primary difference of, of factoring versus conventional lending. Conventional lending is 100% focused on the client, on the financial performance, the historical performance of the business, mm-hmm. um, their cash in hand, their cash flow, um, their credit, their personal credit, their personal cash flow, all of these things come into that scenario for conventional lending. Whereas in factoring, we're looking at all of their customers and we're okay. looking at the account debtors. And, and because factoring is, is, is only fulfilling an advance on service and product already delivered, there's a legal contract in place that that account debtor has to pay. Right. So we're fairly protected as far as a transaction goes. It's it's simply a matter of timing, and that's that's what we have to make sure of is that the timing does come through. Now, yes, uh, certain companies go into bankruptcy, things happen, but you know we have different checks and balances in our system to be able to at least protect ourselves from from those things happening. Okay. Great. Yeah. Well, good. Um, so <clears throat> let's talk more specifically about this particular event, or you know, either uh, either Texas or Florida, both of them. Um, is there a particular industry that you see spiking more in requests than anything else? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think every business is affected. Um, you, you're going to see you know, probably larger effects on, on shipping because mm-hmm. if, if the roads are down, there's, there's nothing they can do, right? But, you know, any, any business that's experienced flooding and, and their employees aren't able to come to work, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a scary thing, um, you know, to, to, to run a business takes, takes a lot of guts. And, and to uh, be able to manage cash flow as a, as a business-to-business provider is an even scarier thing. But to add a natural da- disaster on top of it right. is going to cause problems for for any business owner out there, for retail too, B two B providers. Um, so you know, I, I certainly think that you'll you'll see you know oil and gas um, is going to have their their issues. Um, um, but anybody who needs to get from place to place, but that really affects everybody because even if you're a wholesaler you're waiting on shipped goods and if the shipped goods can't arrive you can't sell them right right so so uh you know we we really try to keep the doors open and you know we do have a long history of of providing um you know facilities to those businesses who need it and and every business needs it especially in times like this okay great so you're lending you're in houston you're lending businesses on a regular basis what businesses can no longer get financing after a natural disaster? And, and I know in general, saying it doesn't, there has to be some impact on, there's gotta be some borrowers that are more affected than others. So who are the ones where it's gonna be harder to get your type of funding now? The only businesses that are going to experience problems are those businesses who wait too long. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, it is those businesses who wait too long to get a, a, a plan in place. And so if there are businesses that have been affected by this, don't wait anymore. If you've got account receivables, um, then certainly make sure you get that facility in place. 
And, and, and the reason I say wait too long is because a lot of factors on onboarding and, and at Amerisource, when we're onboarding a client, we're not able to advance on, a, on an invoice that is past 60 days old. Once we board a client, mm. we can typically you know, advance and we can typically hold that uh, advance out for up to 90 days. But that is the, the biggest uh, challenge um, is those who wait too long. You really, you really can't wait. I mean, every business always wants to have that. And, and pardon the pun, but the rainy day fund, right? right. Yeah. You always want to have the backup plan in place. And, and the sooner you can get that in place, the better. But if you don't have it in place now and you've got account receivables, leverage a factor. You know, get out there and at least get the facility in place so that, so that when you need the funds, you'll be able to access them. Okay. So, yeah, specifically what you're saying is if you have a bunch of invoices, the moment they hit 90 days, you're not allowed to get them financed through the onboarding process. Right when you sign up, you get a bunch of invoices financed at once. Yep. And anything over 90 days would be excluded. Is it anything over 60 days? On funding, it's any anything over 60 days Okay. on funding. Once you're boarded and you're factoring, uh, almost all factors will have what what starts to happen is once you have an invoice that goes to 90 days um, and beyond what starts to happen is that we start to hold back that reserve and, and you increase the reserve exactly so somebody's getting about 80 percent of their receipts it would start decreasing to 70 percent or something well we may not even decrease on the advance rate but what happens is is that you know we receive a, an invoice for a hundred thousand dollars um, and our client wants to factor that. The next day we wire them $80,000 and we're now waiting for the client to send us a $100,000 check. Mm-hmm. When their client sends us that check, we've got, now got 100000 we've put 80000 out there, we've got 20000 extra. In normal course of business, we would simply remove our fees and send them the remainder of the $20,000 um, and, and send them their reserve. Right. If, we've, if, that, if our client has account debtors that have gone past 90, we may start to have to hold that reserve. They may not get that extra 20% until we're made whole on that client. And then it would be our client's responsibility to then go back and try to recollect from, from their client. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's typically what we would see is if, if, if you're getting past 90, they'll, you just, you'll see your reserves being held to make up that difference. So if I'm a small business in Houston and I know my client is factoring with you and my business has been wiped out and I'm not going to be able to pay you for a while for my uh, client in Colorado or wherever it is, then that would go into place because that would be the impact of the disaster. Exactly right. And, and, if, and if your client, if, if your uh, supplier is factoring with Amerisource and you as a retailer, let's say, can't mm-hmm. pay your supplier and your supplier's factoring with us, um, what happens is is that we start to hold the supplier's reserve. And for every 30 days, you know, 60 days, the funds are out, the more fees that are racking up for the supplier. So, you know, the, the longer the funds are out, the more the fees are. So certainly we still want to make every effort to collect in any way that we can. Um, but, you know, when these things happen, I mean, there's... You know, we, we have to accommodate by, you know, holding back those reserves. And then we also monitor all of our account debtors for our clients. So when we start to see a pattern of an account debtor 
slowing pay. Let's say they always pay it at 30, then they start paying at 45, now they're paying at 60. We let our client know something's happening with one of your clients and you may want to uh, renew your agreement, see if you can get them back on, mm -hmm. on net 30, talk to them, find out what's happening, and maybe even stop offering them terms. You know, So we, we kind of monitor their debtors uh, in the process too. So if I'm a factoring client of yours, and I have a bunch of customers in Houston, mm -hmm. and I'm worried that they're not going to be able to pay for the things that I'm sending to them, mm -hmm. then maybe I should stop sending those particular invoices to be factored because it literally increases the cost of a bad client. It's, it could be true, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's always the, we do our fair amount of due diligence when we're boarding a client, um, but we're not going to restrict somebody for, for, for being in a, in a disaster area. Um, but if, if one of our clients is concerned that they're not going to get paid on time, uh, we, we, we walk them through that process of really starting to uh, calculate the risk, right? Um, you know, if let's say this client uh, doesn't pay you for 90 days, here's the fees, you know, that would eventually, you know, occur here. Um, what would make more sense for you? Keep the relationship, keep them on those terms and, and pay the fees. Mm -hmm. Do you, you know, just charge them late fees to make up the difference? That's also right. another option, you know, that our clients always have. Um, but, you know, these are things that we, we always try to support our clients when, when it comes to those questions. How aggressive do you get in collections? I mean, we, uh, we, now a, you're now a debt collector in, in a sense. Somewhat. I mean, you know, factors will never refer to themselves <laughs> in that way. But, you know, we do call. Um, and, and we will call and we will check up and ensure that, you know, they're still on track to pay. Even when we receive the invoice, um, you know, when the invoice is first issued to the client, uh, many times we will call the client and just say, hey, just confirming, you know, our client sent us this invoice. Can you validate that you, you know, do now owe them $100,000? They'll say yes, you know, we'll pay in net 30, and so we're good. Um, but, you know, if it gets to 30 days, maybe we'll make another call. Or if it goes past that, we'll make sure our client is aware. But we, we are not a collections firm, um, and we won't uh, pursue that collections. We will, we will make an attempt to keep in contact with the account debtor. Um, but uh, our, our primary role is to advance the funds and then to keep our client aware if they have, if they're not already aware, which they should be, but we will make our client aware if they have account debtors that are not paying. So you've got to have a lot of account debtors currently in the Houston area being headquartered in Houston. Yeah. So what are you guys doing? Because you're going to have a lot of businesses that are going to be affected and they're going to be slow paying right mm -hmm. there in your town. Sure. Are there any additional concessions you guys are taking? Are you letting them go longer, or are you going to be collecting on the paybacks just at the same normal time? That yeah, you I you know to be quite honest, I'm I'm not really sure on that. I, I'm not sure if there have been any decisions for those account debtors in 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 Houston or for our clients that are directly affected by that. We, I'm, we I'm know working really capital sure. lenders that have suspended payments uh, mm -hmm. for clients in the affected area in order to give them some time to recover. I know some of the banks are talking about restructuring loans in order to give people some time to recover. So yeah. There yeah. hasn't been a specific decision to do anything like that. I, I yeah. honestly, I haven't been informed in that. And if that has been, that's that's happening, you know, uh, behind the scenes. With right. I personally don't have any clients directly in Houston. Uh, otherwise, I'd probably, you know, be able to answer that more directly. But yeah. Right. <laughs> so yes. I, okay. I, yeah. Excellent. Well, good. Uh, let's see. Um, 
if you know, one of the questions we have is if a small business is in the area and their building is destroyed, what is the impact or just flooded? Literally, they're in a sense out of business until they move somewhere else. That doesn't yeah. necessarily affect you if it's your direct client. It affects you if it's their customer. It's that's correct. Yeah, it, it affects us if it's their customer. If we have an account debtor um, that is is supplying or working through one of our our customers, or they're supplying two, um, then you know it's it's obviously they're going to be more slow to pay, um, and and they may experience some more delays on on making that payment and uh, paying the invoice. Um, but it, it really doesn't uh, directly affect us. You know, what, what would happen is in normal course is that, you know, our client would end up paying more fees. Um, but, you know, that's, that's, uh, those, are, those are things to, work, to be worked out, you know, between our client. Because the, the truth is, is that um, the, the account debtors don't owe us. The account debtors owe our customer. And so, if if there really was any any concessions to be made on on uh, you know payment and allowing payments to be extended and things, the the legal agreement is between our client and their accounts and their customers. We actually don't have a legal agreement with the customer. All that our agreement is really spelling out is that when payment comes due, the payment is routed to us, and then we credit our client's account. Okay. So yeah. So I, I you know, I, again, I. I I can't answer completely directly uh, on, on that case, but um, you know we we obviously are in the business of delayed payment. You know right. that's that's what we do, and that's why our our service exists is to you ensure. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and and we we take that weight, uh, we we accept that weight, and we provide that advance to our clients so that they can keep their business open, so they can continue to make payroll, so that they and their employees. And they can continue to supply their goods, and that's that's our okay. primary concern. What percentage of your customers uh, provide a personal guarantee for the financing? Is it is it all of them, or is it is there a certain company size where you guys spend that? Nearly all of them. Yeah, okay. we we do we do ask for personal guarantees. Um, uh, there there are case by case situations where um, where we, we can look at an alternative, but in nearly hundred percent we do ask for personal guarantee. Okay. What do you think that businesses can do to prepare or mitigate the impact of the disaster? It's it, it truly is. I mean, it's it's always having that backup plan, you know, and and always making sure that that they have a, a way to keep in business. Uh, it, I know that um, you know it's it's much easier said than done, but being able to stay in business is the primary thing just being able to to restore operations as quickly as possible and to be able to get back up and running so that you're not avoiding and you're not missing any purchase orders that are coming in if your client is target they may or may not care that you're in a in a impacted area they they need to get their supply and if you miss the opportunity to provide that they may go and find somebody else right so so primarily just staying in operations and recovering in order to do that you have to sometimes have the capital to to stay in operations if your supply chain is affected you know that's going to to be harder you know to do but always having that emergency plan always having uh, a backup resource always having that rainy day fund you know in place um, to be able to uh, utilize when when those needs arise great 
Um, if somebody needed funding, somebody's in one of the areas, or they're worried about their customers, they need financing, they've never done factoring before, uh, how long does it take to get started? Uh, sometimes it depends on the complexity of the business. If it's a business that has multiple entities involved and, you know, um, uh, a whole bunch of different owners, then, then sometimes those can get a little bit more complicated. But I would say for the, for the standard uh, factoring deal, the majority of what we see, um, I would say that, you know, they can have a facility up and running um, within a week. I mean, once, okay. once I receive a package, which is four pages, you know, four documents that, that we need, um, we, once I submit that, I typically get a pre-approval within a matter of hours. And then we are issuing the term sheet, which is going to spell out the fees, it's going to spell out the terms, how the process works. We make sure the client is fully aware of what factoring is and how the process works. We want to make sure there's, there's no misunderstandings and no confusion there. Um, and then it's moving forward from there. If they are responsive and they provide the additional documents, we may need to see, and that's different in every, every case. Um, you know, there are times that we can be doing that first funding within a few days. Great. One of the things I know about factoring is maybe a little bit of the stigma with it that business owners don't want their clients to know that maybe they're struggling or that they need more um, money or working capital. What do you, how do you answer that? I, I would say that it, it, it certainly is a stigma, um, but in B2B, you know, especially for, uh, you know, larger retailers, um, Target, Best Buy, uh, I, mean, I mean, you name it, they're, they are used to factoring. They communicate with factor companies all day, every day, um, because they're aware that the terms they request from their suppliers are extensive. They want 60-day net. They're not going to pay for 60 days until they, and after they've received the product. Right. Right. So, so it's it's a it's a natural occurrence that there's going to be a cash flow issue for their suppliers. So the first thing I would say is it's much much more common to your clients than you would ever think it is. And you mentioned the word factoring, most of them are going to not say, oh yeah, we work with a lot of our suppliers factor. So it's, it's not as uncommon as they think. And factoring doesn't mean that you've got an unhealthy business. Factoring means that you're utilizing uh, you know, a, a cash flow tool that's going to allow you to continue to grow. It's going to allow you to support their 60-day terms, which they have asked for. It's going to allow you to extend that 60-day term but it's going to allow you to continue to grow business and take on new relationships. Um, and then, you know, when we introduce ourselves, we were never introducing ourselves uh, to our account debtors, our clients' account debtors. Uh, as a factor company, we, we introduce ourselves as an account receivables management firm. And, and that's truly what we're doing. because we're not just, you know, advancing money. We're monitoring the account debtors. We're monitoring the payment. We're monitoring their speed. We have exact numbers of how long and we can look at the history of a client once they've been boarded with us for a while. And we can break down exactly which clients are paying exactly on time, which ones are delayed, the trends that are happening. And we have a lot of data that we can share with our clients that help them manage their business, help them manage their account debtors. So if you see a client going into contract with, I don't know, Acme Company, and you know they're slow to pay, will you say, maybe you want to find a different one, or will you just refuse to factor those invoices? Yeah, uh, both. So okay. both scenarios. I, I, I recently, and I won't, I won't name the, the, the big box retailer, but uh, recently I was reviewing an agreement, and, and, it's, and it's extremely challenging for, for suppliers out there uh, when you're talking to big box retail, and this agreement literally said uh, they, they required 60-day net terms. However, if they were late, 
zero late fees could be charged. They couldn't charge oh. them for being late, and nice. they could return product, and they could reduce that invoice amount for a, a myriad. Of, there were like eight different conditions in which they could decide not to pay the full invoice. And so as a factor, if we've already advanced 80% and then this retailer isn't going to pay, even though their terms are 60, they're not paying until 120, which in this case, they were not paying until 120 or later. Wow. Um, and our client really can't do anything except for sacrifice the relationship. Mm -hmm. um, those we have to exclude. Yeah. So when those agreements basically leave our clients powerless, um, yeah, there, there are some times that we have to exclude. Or if we know that that, that retailer and we, we know uh, of what's happening with a lot of these, you know, we, we, we have our systems to, to keep our, our eyes on that um, that's happening in the industry. If we know that they're struggling, um, then yeah, sometimes we'll have to exclude them. Or we may set a super low advance rate just on that retailer. Mm -hmm. We may say, we'll factor them, but we're gonna max out their individual line of $50,000 or 60% of the invoice. So, so we might have to just put more strict terms on that, that account invoice. debtor's mm -hmm. invoice. Okay, yeah. I see. What, uh, what's the credit rating that your clients need to have in order to qualify? Uh, we will work with uh, nearly any credit. Mm -hmm. So uh, so you can provide a personal guarantee, but you're not actually looking at the credit that much. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we just simply want that vote of confidence that, that, that a customer is going to be able to stand behind their business uh, if, if something happens, right? Um, but when it comes to, to actual credit scores and FICO scores and, and this and that, um, we don't have set guidelines. We, we have worked with uh, clients who have had bankruptcies in the past. We work with clients who have existing tax liens on their business in place. Uh, we help them and we're in setting up a, a, a repayment plan and we actually help them make that repayment through collecting their, their invoices. So um, there's a lot of different um, situations and in, in, in credit profiles that we'll work with. Uh, sometimes because it does raise our risk, sometimes it will affect pricing if we've got really, really bad credit um, but it doesn't mean that we can't do it. Okay, so 450 FICO, no problem. Let's look, yeah. Well, I'm just thinking we <laughs> work with a lot of immigrants yeah. who have trouble establishing credit. Right, um, sure. And so I, and, but they're very entrepreneurial and they run great businesses, but it, they just have trouble establishing credit because establishing credit is hard. Yeah, yeah, so. it, it certainly can be. And I, I, I certainly came from that, that world where, um, you know, credit, Credit is kind of the first door, you know, it's the first door in, in conventional lending and, and if you don't fit those those uh, matrix then, then you can't even really continue a conversation. So that's, it's challenging. But you know, if, if there's a person who has bad credit but they created an amazing product that Costco cannot wait to get their hands on, then we're going to be able to entertain that mm -hmm. and, and people just want their product. So it's, we're, we're mostly about the, the account debtors and, and their interest in our customer than we are about our customer's client or past performance or... What about international clients of your clients? I'm glad you mentioned shipping that. Shipping into Mexico so, yes. or something. So yeah, because, because our collateral is the account debtor, our collateral is that invoice, we cannot do international account debtors. So we can't Even factor for... Canada, we can. Thank you, thank you. Canada, yes, yes, Canada, we can. All this Mexico, no. Yes, yes, yes. Canada, we can. 
Uh, right. Yeah, but I can in Canada. Okay? That's right. So Canada, yes, we can. Uh, but but outside, no. yeah, outside, um, because you know, listen, if if things go really awry, I mean, we're not able to really validate um, businesses in China, right? We're not able to validate that business has a, a, a good performance history, or that it's not really even looking that they have a good performance history. It's looking that they don't have an obviously negative history. So that's that's what we're really doing when we're when we're reviewing the account debtors. So uh, you know, in in outside of Canada, foreign, we, we can't do. But if a Mexican company had an American invoice, could you advance the American invoice? Uh, there you go, flipping it on. Yeah, well, it. because <laughs> because we do because we also can't factor for international clients. Mm -hmm. So because go. they're in Mexico, right? So so we're U.S. Our clients are are U.S. based. The business has to be based in the U.S. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right, so to summarize, you've got pretty much one of the most disaster-proof types of financing, what it, it comes down to. It, it, it really is, and, and it, it really is disaster-proof because, you know, we're, we're not looking at the conditions that our client is in, whether it's credit, whether it's current cash flow, whether it's how much money you got in the bank, which any business that's gone to a bank and asked for a loan um, will, will have heard all of those things before. Um, we are looking at the, the quality of their, uh, their clients. And if their clients have, have found a want and need and they, they like the, the product and service that our client provides and they're willing to pay for it, those invoices are contractual. So that's, that's where our investment is. But yeah, it's, it's, it really is a, a, a fantastic tool uh, to use um, just in, in normal course of business, but certainly in times when you see troubles coming, when you see something that's coming down the road, whether it's a, a decrease in business, whether it's you're concerned your payments are going to be stretched even further, or whether you've got a you just closed a, a, a great meeting with Target and they want to order four hundred thousand in in product from you, and the purchase order is supposed to arrive tomorrow, and you only do seven hundred thousand in business, a, a bank is not going to be able to give you the proper amount of financing to be able to help you obtain that business, you know. But through using other tools and 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 accommodating to Target's 60-day net terms, you can take on that contract. You can take on that business, and you can win that business. All right, so let's say Target is the client of your client. Mm -hmm. What are some of the reasons why you would not bring them on as a client? There's got to be reasons. You say bad credit, it's okay. There's bad company credit, is that going to get them? There's got to be some reason why you wouldn't accept them even if they have good customers. Or is there a certain profit margin you like to see on the client's product so that the price of factoring makes sense? No, no, actually, yeah. we don't review that, right? We, 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 we will certainly have that conversation with our client and we will, we will say, hey, here's generally what you're going to end up paying or once we actually price it, here's what, what your price of funds are going to be. You know, if you've got, you know, 5% profit margins, you've already started in a very challenging space. Right. If you've only got 5% profit margins, you might want to review your pricing um, right. because it's going to be really hard to succeed um, in what you're doing with 5% profit margin. But um, as long as you can you know, uh, support the, the, the invoice and you can take that out and you can pay the fees and, and still have profit you know, to be able to support the business, then of course. Um, I will say that the only time that, um, you know, using your example of, of Target, the only time that we could we would really want to second review that is if Target is their only client, 
Okay. And Target is wanting millions of dollars in in product. So one of our challenges in manufacturing in general, high client concentrations with high dollar volume is very risky and scary. And and it's because that even if we advance, you know, eighty uh, percent to our client and we're holding that twenty percent, that twenty percent isn't going to do us any good if something happens that Target says we're cutting off this relationship immediately. Here's all of your product back. We've already paid eighty percent out. You know, so it, it puts us in a very touchy situation where we only have twenty percent, and that's not going to make up for the eighty that we already put out the door. Right. Right. So so high client concentrations with high dollar volume can be a little scary, but as I mentioned earlier, we, we have one right now with, you know, $8 million. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there, you know, it's, it, it, in our industry, it's, it's much, much more creative than, than in, in banking. In banking, I could sit here and, and, and roll out the ratios. I could tell you the ratios, the exact debt ratios that you need to hit, exactly what those numbers are. Right. In factoring, there's a lot more creativity that goes into it. And, it, and it truly does come down to common sense. And truly, at Amerisource, because we are privately owned, we are the second largest privately owned commercial lender in the country. Hmm. And we are able to take a look at each one of these deals. Every Tuesday morning, we're on the phone with, with the director, the owner of the business, with our credit underwriters. We are on the phone with these people. We're talking to the decision makers directly about each and every deal that has come in through the pipeline. And we're finding ways to make it work. We pre-approve 98% of the packages we submit. Right. So we, we are very creative in getting it done. We just want to make sure that everybody's protected in the process. So I had a client not too long ago that was getting a short-term working capital loan, uh, merchant cash, sort of like, a, like a merchant cash advance, but on their checking account, an ACH loan. And that lender, they had pre-existing factoring. They, they were an existing factoring customer. Okay. And that lender required that the factoring company subordinate. Mm. And they were willing to do that. How is that common or uncommon? How likely are you to subordinate in order to assist your client to get additional financing from a different lender? Um, we're not. We're not. Okay. Yeah. I'm surprised you yes. did that. Yeah. Right. They did it. They I really can't did. believe it. I wouldn't. They yeah. Agreed. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is illicit. Finding finding any lender to subordinate is really challenging. But there's certainly those out there that do that. But it comes at a very high premium. You know, our our hope and our our process is to be able to um, provide the right amount of facility so that our clients don't have to go to secondary sources. It is very uncommon for us to be approached and and, and be asked to subordinate to new debt. Um, when we put our UCC filings out there, we're actually only filing on the account receivables. Okay, you're not doing a blanket lien on all assets of the business, only no. on the accounts receivables. Only on account receivables. So it, it, it does come into conflict where, you know, um, what's, you know, for instance, a, a large bank will do an ABA filing, which is all business assets, which means that anybody that comes in the door to try to provide additional financing is going to have to work with that bank to try to carve out certain pieces and say, okay, well, you, you have your UCC over here and let us just take this little piece. But it's very uncommon for the banks to do that. So uh, to be quite honest, it is, it is uh, not too common to have, um, you know, factoring and banks with ABA liens in the same space. If it's ABA, it covers everything. 
and it's hard for a factor to say, wait, wait, big bank, just give right. us the account receivable. So it's not common to happen. Yeah. So and we do client, need to be in first position. That's right. that's part of it, helping us guarantee. So having worked at Bank of America and Amerisource, if somebody was an Amerisource factoring client, they couldn't go to Bank of America and get a loan? Uh, no. No, they, they could. Let's say they could go to Bank of America and they could get a loan on equipment. They could get a loan on commercial real estate. But if they wanted uh, what... If they wanted to get an SBA loan. Yeah. In most cases, not, because SBA is, is going to want all bes business assets. I think they would pay it off like regular business debt as part of funding, right? Yeah, and, and that's would typically... You guys, if somebody paid off their factoring in order to get an SBA loan and then they came back and said, no, I want factoring again, would you be willing to go behind the SBA loan? No, no, no. We we can't. We can't. We have to be in senior position on the account receivables. We don't care about any of the other assets unless we're putting our ABL facility in place, and that's a different, a, a different product where we do allow to incorporate other assets to to increase their line and to increase their availability of funds. Um, but but no, we're we're not going to be able to subordinate. Um, and if most cases, I mean, our goal is to to help our businesses succeed. Our goal is to help our clients succeed. So if we come in and we're we're providing a factoring line, it's in most cases because our clients are unable to get conventional or SBA lending. Now, if we come in with that factoring facility, they've already tried here. We're the third stop. We're the cheapest cost of funds next to a bank here at Amerisource. But if if They've come to us and asked for a factoring line. They've already gone through those two check marks. When we put that in place, it is not uncommon for us. We work with a lot of bankers, and the main reason bankers will come to us is because we can come in, allow, provide that factoring facility to allow that client to take on the new contract from Target, which is going to boost their cash flow. As factoring is not debt, it's not going to hit their balance sheet, so it's not going to affect their cash flow in a negative way, unlike all other terms. So that doesn't other report of debt. on their personal credit or on the business credit. It's mm -hmm. we do a credit check. Agreement. We do a credit check, but there's not a trade line. No, it's okay. not a trade line um, because it's not a loan. It is not debt. It's an advance. It's an advance on that. So you know the the, the great advantage to that is what a banker at a, at a big box bank is looking for. Is they're looking for cash flow and they're looking for uh, you know liquidity. And if they're coming into a situation where there's debt already there, that's obviously affecting their debt service calculations, mm -hmm. right? And they have to hit a certain ratio. So if they can't take out that debt, they can't get the loan done. If they're if they're having to come in and, and put another loan in place, so you know we're not debt uh, factoring is not debt. We're not hitting the cash the the, the balance sheet. Um, even all of the fees that are paid to a factor are considered interest, which means you know in banker land it does not hurt EBITDA. EBITDA is earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. So a banker is able to take interest and put back into the cash flow of a business. Right. That's all the fees from a factor. So not only are we not hitting your your balance sheet as debt, um, where all of the fees that you're paying to a factor are going back into your cash flow. So a banker is going to be very happy when they come back and they see after you've worked for a factor for a year, two years, or even as short as maybe six months. But what they're going to have to see is they're going to have to see you know a year of cash flow. But a factor can come in and help you get that cash flow. So we often work with bankers to support that client to 
overcome those credit challenges that they had, which is the reason the bank declined them in the first place. And then we help them increase that cash flow by putting this facility in place and we hand them right back to the bank. In okay. some cases, they still run into challenges. Banks want to see two years of cash flow, and unfortunately, it's getting harder and harder. Right. Um, you know, it, even even in this environment where where we thought maybe regulations would back off, um, the banks aren't changing too much course. And in, in fact, in a lot of cases, they're going the opposite way. Um, you know, uh, possibly being concerned about uh, you know another recession happening. But but whatever the reason for their tightening is. Uh, it's making factoring more and more a viable option to help business continue to grow. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. Um, that's probably about it for me. Rhoda, you got any follow-up? Yeah, I just have a question. So we talked about how you could help. What do people need to collect and submit so that you can review it and see if they're a good fit? We so need our, their AR. Yep, yep. So what we do, we have a one-page client profile. It gives a very quick synopsis of the business, um, of the individual, uh, one-pager. We would look at a AR aging detailed report. Um, so we want to see that so we can get a sense of the, the account receivables you have outstanding. Uh, we would ask for a sample invoice. So an invoice that you're going to send to your clients uh, once, once you, uh, you know, finish the service or you ship the product. And then we would ask for backup documentation supporting that invoice. So it might be a purchase order, you know, or it might be a bill of lading. It might be um, it, it, sometimes it, all you have is a contract to just fulfill. Mm -hmm. um, so whatever agreement or contract or paper that you have to back up that invoice to say this is why we generated that invoice, we need that to match the invoice. That gives us a, a whole look at the agreements in place for your business, how you're being paid, when you're being paid, and we can use those four pages to get you a pre-approval within a few hours. No bank. Um, no banks, no tax returns. No. Now we will only ask for tax returns if we're looking in, in, in interim financials, if we're looking at doing an ABL facility. Okay. And, and the ABL facility is quite similar to factoring, but it's, it's a little bit, um, uh, it's a little bit less uh, work for our clients because they're not having to send us invoices. They just send us, you know, their their account receivables report maybe weekly, and then we just adjust the borrowing base based on their internal records. So um, for that facility, we do look into more of the financial performance of our client. But that's that's the ABL facility, and that's for larger customers. Yeah, that's for larger customers. Our ABL uh, minimum facility is five hundred thousand, and that can also go up to fifteen million. Okay. So it's a great product. It it allows us to um, you know ease the process a little bit, ease a, a little bit of the paperwork when our clients are requesting funding. Um, but it also allows us to, as I mentioned earlier, is it, it allows us to look into other asset categories. So if they've got equipment that's free and clear, they've got commercial real estate or even IP. I mean, we can we have to get evaluation on those, um, but we can actually increase past that 80% advance rate on their account receivables, or we can go up to 90%, or we can actually get more. Uh, availability for that client outside of just what their account re receivables say by reaching into these other things and then when we do that you know we've got no prepayment penalties on those it's just simply a way to to get a little bit of a stretch piece in there get a little bit more to help that client you know uh, accommodate and overcover whatever it is they're they're challenged with great yeah okay anything else great. Yeah. I think that's it for me all right
Okay, well, let's go ahead and wrap it up, Justin. I really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. And yeah, uh, thank you. Patience at the beginning. Through <laughs> right. the mayhem, getting those things started. I'm sure it was my um, fault. I, I hope it was beneficial <laughs> for all of you guys. Um, and uh, I, I don't know, Darren, were there questions that people typed in that we could answer? No, nothing. Uh, on any of the other side. All right. Well, then uh, we'll wrap it up for the day. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, everybody, for finding us, joining us, and sticking with us. Uh, we look forward to doing a lot more deals together. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>